Hello, and thanks for joining us again on Teaching Together, the podcast from Complete Mathematics, where we aim to make our teaching more impactful, one objective at a time. As ever, I'm Dave Taylor, and I'm here with my Complete Mathematics colleague, Robert Smith. Hi, Dave. What objective are we looking at today, Rob? Uh, Today, Dave, we're looking at uh, translation on a coordinate plane. And this is from stage 8, unit 14 of the Complete Mathematics curriculum. You can access this objective and the whole curriculum made up of over 1,800 objectives at completemaths.com for free. Now, you can follow along at home as we talk through Teach, Do, Practice, Behave with translation on a coordinate plane by downloading the slide deck of tasks from completemaths.com forward slash podcast. Before we teach pupils a new idea, there is one important question to consider. Are we doing the right maths at the right level? Now we can check that we're doing the right maths by assessing the prerequisite knowledge for this new mathematical idea. What is that knowledge for this objective, Rob, and how can we test it? Well, Dave, we were discussing uh, translations on a square grid and using translations in words. Uh, If you look at slide three, we're describing the translation of shape A onto shape B. And we're looking at the movement of each of the vertices of the triangle onto each of the vertices of the image. We can also look at moving shape B back onto shape A. Part B looks at translating a triangle by four squares left and two squares down. And we're asking pupils if they can draw the translated shape. Part C looks at translating a point, three squares left and two squares up, and then another translation, two squares right and three squares up, and looking at the new coordinates of A. And then we're describing the translations from A to B, B to C, and C to D in part D on slide three. Uh, now, uh, part D actually has a has an autograph file attached to it. If you go on the slide deck and click the autograph logo, that should take you to an autograph file with uh, a pair of axes with the points A, B, C, and D on it. Rob, how have you put that autograph file together? As well, Dave, I've done several math comp sessions showing people how to create autograph files. Um, but what I've done is I've um, put a point and shown the labels for the A, B, C, and D. And then I've created, uh, by selecting any two points, the vectors between them and then displaying the um, translation using the column vector, Dave. Nice. And so those answers are really easily displayable on well, while you're teaching on screen. Not only are they easily displayable, Dave, but you can easily move the points to different coordinate points, and then you've got a whole set of new questions that you can create from one file. Nice. Okay, that's cool. Great. So when we're confident that pupils are able to do all the things on slide three and translations in words, basically, is what we're looking at for those four questions, um, we're ready to teach. And in the teach phase, the idea is entirely novel to pupils, though only just beyond their current level of understanding. The teacher shares key facts and uses metaphor and model to describe new ideas and add to pupils' existing knowledge so that pupils can meaning make and form connections with their current schema. So how are we teaching this objective, Rob? Um, Well, Dave, uh, we need to remember that pupils um, should be reminded that a translation only moves the shape left and right, up and down. The shape is going to remain the same size and in the same orientation. 
Remember, translation is about movement. It's not about reflection or rotation. So if their translated shape is not the same as the original, then there's been an error in their work. What we can do is think about pupils who have difficulty translating corners, and we can translate them one at a time. And we can use tracing paper if we need to. What we do is we trace the original shape and then slide the tracing paper left or right, up or down, counting the squares as they move the tracing paper. They can then see where the final position of the image should be. Using tracing paper allows the pupils to see that the shape will remain exactly the same size and shape and in the same orientation. In order for, to be successful, we also need to describe translations on the coordinate grid. And so we need pupils to understand what coordinates are and be able to plot coordinates and be able to give coordinates of points on a grid. So we might also want to check that when we're doing the teach phase. Nice. So you mentioned there about building up from uh, from pupils you might struggle to translate uh, an entire shape. And so the way that I like to do this is I like to start by translating points. So on slide four of the accompanying slide deck, you can just see the translation of a um, a point by the vector uh, five one. And and what I like to get across is is that the point doesn't really move right and then up. It moves right and up at the same time in a diagonal line. But this is a culmination of the vectors 5, 0 and 0, 1. And that can be easily demonstrated in autograph as well, Dave. And this addition of vectors is really important when we're translating shapes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so having done points, I then move on to doing the same with lines. So on slide 5, you've got uh, animations where all the points on the lines are therefore translated between the lines to show that that translation is always the same. And then slide six goes on to shapes. And there are two autograph files that I've linked on that uh, slide as well. Yeah, and what you'll notice with those autograph files, Dave, is that I've colour-coded the vertices so that you can see which vertex has moved to which position by the column vector. Um, so that's really useful for pupils to visualise what's going on. Yeah, there's so much to be said for colour at, at any stage of, of maths and with any topic even with something like simplifying algebraic expressions, just writing like terms in the same colours just makes that really obvious that they're like terms. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more there, Dave. Right, so as we transition out of the teach phase, we're looking for pupils to do, and that's coming up next. Now that we've talked about the teach phase, let's look at the do phase. In this phase of the learning episode, pupils are simply reproducing what they have been shown, developing confidence and fluency in working with the new idea. The teacher is responsive to pupils, amending their model or example as necessary, maintaining pupil motivation and developing understanding. The aim of this stage is for pupils to be successful in working with the novel idea, but it's important to state that meaningful learning hasn't yet occurred. So this is about replication, and in my opinion, the best way to go about this is to use mini whiteboards with example problem pairs, so that I'm getting an answer from every pupil in the room. In this case, I'm bridging between pupils' understanding of translation given in words, which we've checked as part of the prereq check, and writing these as vectors. Once I'm confident that pupils can replicate what I've shown them, we'll be working through an activity in their exercise books, and that's something like the activity on slide seven. 
before repeating this process for drawing translations. Now, this is something that in the past I've found pretty tough. Uh, it's, it's really hard to take in 30 different poorly drawn translations on mini whiteboards and just trying to see all that in the room is tough. But but you give me a solution to that, Rob. Uh, yes, Dave. We were discussing how we might uh, use mini whiteboards to discuss uh, vector translations on a coordinate grid. And what I suggested to you was that we pick a vector, uh, a column vector, AB, and what we do is we translate a point P by AB, uh, negative A over B, negative A over negative B, and we create the eight points that could possibly be the translation of point P. And we letter them A to H, and we ask the pupils um, the translation of a particular point, and then they can show us on the whiteboard the corresponding point that is the result of that translation. So they could hold up A to H as their solution, or we could hold up a um, point F and they could write down the column vector that point P has been translated by. And the nice thing about the autograph um, file that I gave you there, Dave, was that you can start at the origin or you can start in the first quadrant and you can move point P about and you can use the constants to change the column vector and the eight points automatically get updated to new positions. So you can create a whole series of questions that you can check for understanding without necessarily having to look at the pupils drawing the translation on uh, their whiteboard. Yeah, I think that the because we've been then being able to check whether they can translate the point by how I want to, that'll be really helpful. And then the activity that I give them on a printed sheet will check that they can translate the ship. Um, which is just the, the continuation of, of translating those points, isn't it? Yeah, and we need to check that the uh, translated shape is the same size and shape, or congruent, if we will. Yeah. Um, now, following drawing the translations, I'll complete this process for describing translations, a game of example problem pairs, a game with mini whiteboards, and before I do the activity on slide nine in their exercise books. And once these pupils have developed fluency, Having worked through the teach and do phases, we're now going to segue into the practice phase. In the practice phase, pupils move beyond simply performing, and it's quite common that a maths lesson doesn't get this far. Pupils tend to perform, literally doing, but aren't given the opportunity to form connections between the novel idea and their existing schema, and this affects retention. Having transitioned from the do phase, pupils are now fluent with the process, so we're directing their attention to underlying structures, relationships, and principles, as well as bringing about strong connections with prior knowledge. So we're looking for a well-structured and intelligently designed exercise that will aid pupils in forming links. And for this, on slide 10, we've put together um, a practice activity. Rob, would you like to talk us through that? Um, so, Dave, we're looking at describing fully the transformation from A to B. So we're looking at eliciting the connection between vectors and their inverses, words and column vectors, and then an open middle type question for part C. So for part A, we're literally describing fully the transformation from shape A to shape B. And we can do this in words, but we can also do it as a column vector. Um, for part B, we write these as column vectors and as translations in words. So we're looking 
for the pupils to build on that prerequisite knowledge and what we've taught them about column vectors and how the horizontal movement is represented by the X and the vertical movement represented by the Y and the effect of the positive and negative on the left and right movement. Um, part C has us looking at a coordinate point that gets translated by two unknown vectors. And then we're finally given the coordinate of the point after the two translations. And what we're looking for is what the translation vectors could have been. And obviously, there are a number of solutions um, to what the vectors could be in between. But we know that the sum of those two vectors is going to result in the same vector movement. And then for part D, we're looking at translating the shape by uh, a column vector. And we're working in the four quadrants there. So there's lots of um, useful activity in doing this task, Dave. Yeah, my favourite connections are the ones between A and D. The describing fully gives you the vector 4, 3, whereas the translation in D is negative 4, negative 3. So pupils end up with basically what is the same diagram as their answer. Part B uh, takes the same vector from D in, in, in its part B um, and uses the same vector from A in its part A. But also part C and D, when you find the sum of those, that's the vector in part A. And that links into part C, where pupils have this open middly type task, where they can find any two vectors that have a sum of two, six. And I think that building those connections is really, really important. Yeah, I think you're right there, Dave. And uh, it's really useful to have that connection between each of the question parts. Yeah, now after pupils have formed these connections between the new idea and their prior knowledge, assimilating this idea into their schema, we're looking at them behaving mathematically. In order to make mathematicians, this phase is absolutely vital. We deepen understanding through behaving mathematically and when behaving mathematically, maturation matters. Unfortunately, we suspect that the behave phase, just like the practice phase, is often cut short or is missing entirely from learning episodes. In the behave phase, tasks are chosen to bring about well-embedded and mature ideas that connect to the novel idea. A good rule of thumb is that this kind of maturation takes two years. And so for translation on a coordinate plane, we've put together the tasks on slides 11 and 12 from ideas that are first taught in stages four and five. On slide 11, we're looking for pupils to behave mathematically with movements around a square grid, dressed up as New York with buildings arranged in blocks. The activity itself has a very low floor. There's not much that will prevent a pupil from beginning the activity, and it can give rise to questions such as, well, can Joe go back on themselves? And is this okay? Can we write that one down? Or we can ask the pupils, how many of the journeys that you've found might take the same amount of time and why? And that that links into the idea of, um, of adding these vectors together and how they all end up with the, with the same result. Rob, you put together the activity on slide 12. Can you give us a bit more detail? Yeah, so Sam has placed a knight on the square D4 on a chessboard. Obviously, a chessboard being an 8 by 8 square grid. A knight can move in an L shape as shown, and we've given an example of how a knight might move from uh, D4 there, Dave. Uh, we could either say two across and one up, or two up and one across. 
But the visual of the L shape, uh, I think, really gets home to pupils how a knight might move if they're not familiar with a chess set. And then we're looking at how many moves it might take Sam to move the knight to G8. So what we're doing there is combining these movements and these uh, translations of the knight around a chessboard. And then in follow-up to that, there's a question that says, how many moves will it take Sam to visit every square on the board? Now, this is a, an example of the knight's tour problem, which goes right back to the ninth century, Dave, and was actually solved as a circular problem. So um, the problem can be completed from any point on the chessboard, and you can actually um, visit every square in just 64 moves. Um, but how we might extend this task is we can change the size of the initial uh, grid and we can look at what would happen if we started with a 4 by 4 chessboard and extend up to a 10 by 10 chessboard. And we can look at whether we can move the knight around the board. And we can also look at what would happen if we used different pieces and different vectors. So a chessboard is a really good way at looking at um, behaving mathematically using these movements around a square grid. Yeah, so if we look at the uh, the first question, the how many moves will it take Sam to move the knight to G8? Um, from memory, Rob, that was, that was three moves, wasn't it? The minimum number of moves? The minimum number of moves is three, but obviously you could get there in a lot more moves or a lot. Well, you can't get there in a lot less, Dave. That would make no sense at all. That would be crackers, wouldn't it? Now, what you always find, though, is that it's always an odd number of moves because moving from a black square to a white square will always take an odd number of moves. And, and you can elicit that from pupils as they start to generalise and, and, and they can be recording the number of moves that they've taken. And they can move the knight to a new starting square and try and move to a different square. And they can always find that if you're moving to a white square from a black square, that'll be an odd number of moves and vice versa. But if you're moving from a black square to a black square, that'll need an even number of moves, but also from white to white. And I think that's a really good additional element to this task, Dave, is that pupils might not initially notice that they're going from a black square to a white square and a white square back to a black square. They might think it's possible they just haven't picked the right starting point to go from a black square to a black square. But I know that there are a number of problems that use this odd and even switching element to add an element to the task. So I really like this Knight's Tour problem. Yeah, and what you, I mean, you mentioned the Knight's Tour problem. That was the uh, the second part of this, wasn't it? And if you click on the square D4 on the chessboard, that will take you to the Wikipedia page for the Knight's Tour in the event that you've not heard of this before. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of Teaching Together. Remember that you can access the entire curriculum for free at completemaths.com. That's over 1,800 objectives, from early counting to calculus. If you have any questions, comments or thoughts about this episode, don't hesitate to get in touch on Twitter or via email. My Twitter handle is at TaylorDA01. I'm at RJS2212. Or you can get in touch with Complete Maths on Atlas Aled. And my email is Dave at CompleteMaths.com. And you can get me on Rob at CompleteMaths.com.
If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on your podcast player and then pass the pod to both colleagues and friends so that we can all improve our teaching together. Until next time, take care. <laughs>